0: to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Samuel's so going to play a music track. And while you listen to it, of course, you'll know who it is and what the song is. But I want you to listen to something else too in the music track. Who is this man singing to? Who is he singing to? And how many times does he tell us who he's singing to? Okay, then the, 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 the question is, who's he singing to? How many times does he say that? Sorry, we are not allowed to add the song due to copyright. This song's name is In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. So how did you get on? Who's he It is Phil Collins? Who is he singing to? He's singing to the Lord, isn't he? Did you pick that up? How many times does he say that? Four times. Well done. I've heard there are three kinds of people in this world, those who can count and those who can't. Now, so what is Phil Collins singing about? What's the song about? He says it's about anger, bitterness, and hurt. That's Phil Collins' own words on his song. And we could come along and we could say, okay, something good is happening here. Phil Collins' wife has left him. His heart is full of anger, bitterness, and hurt. He's turning to the Lord to bring all his sorrows to the Lord. And we say, oh, that that would be pretty good, wouldn't it? And it would be pretty good if it was true. And I hope it was. But Jesus actually said this. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. We hear that word a lot, don't we, Lord? I mean, (laughs) we hear about the... Lord of the Rings. I don't know much about that because I've never read it. Uh, and when the Jesus revolution was on, we were pretty excited. Who's this? The Beatles. Oh, the Beatles. Okay. So we were pretty excited because the Beatles sang a song called My Sweet Lord. And we go, that's cool, isn't it? I really want to know you, Lord, but it takes so long. We go, oh, this is nice. This is nice. And then my teacher said to us, listen to the background vocals. And the background vocals went like this. Hare Krishna. Hare Hare Krishna Vishnu. They were singing to the Lord, all right, but it ain't my Lord. They were singing to the Lord Krishna because at the same time as we were doing the Jesus revolution, they were getting into Eastern religions. The Beatles, it was George Harrison, yeah. And and what about this? Good Lord, Poirot. I can hardly believe it. All right, English people say Good Lord, but does it really mean anything? Are they actually acknowledging Jesus as their Lord? Maybe not. Uh, I went to somebody's house. And they said it it was a young couple that that, (laughs) were not doing well, to be honest. And I came in there, and things are really not good. And as I went in, and we talked, and we prayed, and the peace of God comes, as it does when we go into people's houses, at the end, as I was leaving, the young woman said to me, thank you for bringing the Lord into our house. Now, that was a nice thing to say, wasn't it? And I thought it was good. But if you look at the events of the next week, their life kind of fell to bits. Both of their employers were at their wits' end because they were such terrible employees. They were unreliable. They didn't pay their bills. They had debts up to their eyeballs, and they were just about to lose their home. So on the one hand, they call, the, they call him Lord, the young woman did, and she meant Jesus. I know she did because that's the Lord I brought into the house. But you have to say, do you really understand what it makes to be Jesus that Jesus is Lord. Let's have a look at that. Do you recognize that? Who's that? Driving Miss Daisy. And, and, and I couldn't find a picture of, of the chauffeur with the cook. But at the one stage, the, show, the cook says to the chauffeur, I wouldn't be in your shoes if the sweet Lord Jesus came down and axed me hisself." Now, she was a real Christian lady, all right? She was a Christian But I suggest to you that even she didn't really know what "Lord" means, because if Jesus, if sweet Jesus, really is her Lord, then if He came down and asked her something, she would do it. Okay? Don't miss the movie if you've never seen it. Beautiful story, a story of true love. Very nice. You know, the word "Lord" is used over seven thousand times in the Bible, in the Greek. It's the word used as curios, sometimes spelled as curios, and it means Lord, it means master, it means owner, and you'll see all those three words used in the Bible to translate this. A word that is not used in the Bible is boss, but that gives a pretty good picture. You're the boss, you're the Lord, you're the master, you're the owner. The most terrible translation I've ever seen was actually read out in this church one day, and they translated that word kurios as beloved husband. That's a terrible translation. And that's written, that was in the Message Bible, at which people tell me I like the Message Bible. Well, of course you do, because if, if Eugene Peters doesn't like something, he changes it, so, and you might like that too. But be careful. If you read the Message, read the Bible too. In Huntley, we've got a quarry manager. Uh. Oh, so, so here we are, Curios, lord, master, owner, the boss, the rangatira, the arikinui, those are words that come to mind when we look at the meaning of Lord. It's not just God. Now, in Huntley, we've got a quarry. And in the quarry, there's a manager. And Murray was saying a couple of weeks ago, there's a new manager at the quarry. And things have changed. People are cheerful and polite. And they wave you through and say hello. Because the manager of the, of the quarry is the boss. He's the Kirios. He's the rangatira of the quarry, and he sets the tone for that. And somehow, Mr. Grumpy left, and Mr. Nice Guy came, and everybody picks up the vibe, because the lord of a place is very important in setting that tone. I used to be a country school principal, and it used to tickle me as I'd go to little country schools here and there, all over the place, which used to exist. And you'd see when you went into a school, you'd pick up the vibe, and it was the... the, that The cope-up of the school, the sort of wauru of the school, was set by the boss. Now, in my, in my school, you know what my name means, some of you, the teller of God's truth. So in my school, people told the truth. The kids told the truth because, it, because I, that was a value I lifted up, all right? And in other schools, there were other things lifted up, good things in many cases, I'm not trying to be put anyone down. We also use the word landlord, don't we? And you know that the landlord could be a really good person. And that landlord might let you have a lovely house uh, that's well looked after for a reasonable rent, or your landlord might be a scumbag and rent you a scummy house and, rent, and charge you too much for it. Because the, lo- the landlord actually sets the tone. How's this rental going to go? Well, if you're a tenant, you've got something to do with it too. Now, some of us are employers, and some of us have employees. And if you're an employer then in that context, you're the owner or the master of the Lord. And if you're the employee, then the boss is curious to you. Now, Lord is even something you can do. Did you know that? Jesus said this, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people. But among you, it will be different. That's why in church, nobody chucks his weight around. Although I wish I could say to you that it's never happened in any churches ever. It has, but it shouldn't. And when people listened to Jesus talking about the Lord, they understood what Lord meant better than Kiwis did. Because in their life, they were used to seeing lords with absolute power. When King Herod decided that he didn't want a rival, and he killed all the little boys in in a district, And that's a sad sight of the mother trying to save her little boy's life. The boy is killed because Herod does not want to risk any of those little boys becoming king and getting rid of him. You know what? That didn't even make the news. Because at the time, Herod was busy killing off his own sons. He killed one of his wives, his favorite wife, because he's so afraid they're going to try and overthrow him. And when Herod died, he knew he was on his deathbed. And he knew that when he died, the Jews would be really pleased. So he gave orders that 300, I think 300 Jewish leaders were to be arrested and to be held in the Hippodrome. And when he died, they were to be killed to make sure that the Jews cried when he died. Herod was a hard man. That would be a a view of Lord, which would be understood to the people Jesus was talking to. And what about in in these islands? Well, in these islands, the Maori people understood what Lord means as well. Sir Apurana Ngata is, the, is one of, probably, to my mind, one of New Zealand's most brilliant men, or most brilliant people. He was an academic, a politician, uh, and he, he was a Maori activist, a, a wonderful man. But he had a good, he knew, he was born in 1872, and he knew people who'd been around before the Treaty of Waitangi was signed. And he wrote this. During the time when the Maori chiefs had authority and there was no authority of British law, the word of the chief was law to his tribe. It was he who declared war and he who sued for peace. A great number of the people thus disappeared, loss of man, loss of land. The chief was separated from his daughter who was used as an offering to the invaders to bring about peace. It was the chiefs who bespoke this land and gave it away. They had the power even for life or death, end of quote. Now that's a quote from a highly recommended booklet that Suaparana Ngata wrote in 1922 to explain the Treaty of Waitangi. And because he, because he knew people who were around when the treaty was signed, because he was very connected, because he could hear eyewitness accounts, I highly recommend his booklet as having a lot more weight than some people who really don't know so much. If you would like to read that booklet, flick me an email and I'll send you a copy of links so you can see it in English and Maori. Now, as New Zealanders turn away from the Christian gospel, and as New Zealanders turn away from the restraints of God's laws and the country's laws, we see these powerful chiefs again in the gangs. They can do what they like, no one can stop them, and everyone must obey. I've talked about some cruel, powerful lords today, haven't I? But Jesus isn't like them, is he? No, he's not. But because Jesus is kind and loving, does that mean we should obey him any less than the gang press? I say no. Lord is actually a meaningful, powerful word. Kyrios, Lord, Master, Owner, Absolute Boss. Te so let's have a look at verse 21. I don't know if that's big enough for you to see. Can you, give me a wave if you can read that. Good, that will help me in the future when I'm, I'm making the sizing of this. This is what it says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Please remember, I told you before, he means he and her. It means we're man and with man, men and women. Only the person who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What an amazing thing. Janet and I, before we were married, we went to a seminar and the man running it was called Don Basham. And the the topic of this conference was on true and false prophets. And this is what Don Basham said. Many false prophets start out well. God gives them wonderful giftings and they begin to serve God. But as time goes on and they begin to get a sense of their own self-importance, their morals begin to drift. And as their moral life goes down, they start to seek money, control over other people, including sexually. But here's the strange thing. Their gifts are retained. So you can have somebody stand up who still has a prophetic gift, who still has words of knowledge, who still has a powerful teaching gift, and yet behind the scenes their moral life is a shambles, and they are actually false prophets. Now I have a gift in teaching. That's what I do. But please don't think that because I continue to be good at teaching, that means my life is in order. They're separate things. Now I go, how can that be? Why would God continue to, put, to, to, to give these gifts to these people? I don't know the answer, all right? But I'll tell you from my experience, I think Don Basham is right. Don Basham said, you want to know if somebody's a false prophet or a true one? Then you look at three things. Number one, look at his finances. Are they in order? Number two, look at his wife. Is, his life, is, his, is he true to his own wife? And number three, go to his hometown and see what people say about him there. That doesn't sound very spiritual, does it? But that's Don Basham's advice. Jesus says this, picking up from verse 30, oh sorry, verse 15. Beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad, bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then by their fruit, you will recognize them. And the fruit isn't always the religious stuff, is it? The first time my mum ever came into this church, we had a speaker who I will call Mr. Doom, and he stood up the front, and he, he gave a sermon about how terrible the world is, and how it's all going to the pack, and everything's bad, the government's bad, the stuff they teach kids in school now, oh, I just don't know, it's terrible, 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 and that's all he said, and then he, that was the end of that, and my mum said, well, that wasn't very positive, was it? There wasn't much hope in that message, was there? And mum was right, Thank goodness mum came back for another shot. But if, if that had been, if she wasn't like that, that might have been the last time we saw her. But you know what? It wasn't long after that that Mr. Doom's wife and children left him for the same reason that his first wife and children had left him, because he was a violent man. That's why. And he beat up his wife. You see, by their fruits, you know them. We had another speaker came here, and he used to speak here quite a lot. His, I'll call him Mr. Goody. And Mr. Goody, uh, his his theme was... We can't muck around with sin. We, we have to call it out. We can't shilly-shally around and say, oh, I'm having a love affair. No, you're not. That's adultery. That's adultery. And when he left his wife for the woman that he'd been having a adultery with, it, it was a big crash. It was a hard time. But you see, by his fruits, and I, was, I liked this man. I was quite taken with him. And Janet said, oh, watch it, Jeremy. Janet's quite discerning. You have to be careful, Jeremy. He might not be right. So, Oh, look, he says this and that. I had to be careful, eh? Welcome, brother. Good to see you. That's all right. That's all right. Now, you see, judging people by their fruits, strangely, can throw up some prejudices in us. And uh, I read a story which I really enjoyed, Adrian Plass, The Sacred Diary of Adrian Plass. Have you read it? Okay, now at one stage in there, he decides, he and his wife Anne decide that what they'll do is they'll try and give a chance for their workmates to sort of hear about Christianity. So they go out and they invite their workmates to come to their house for dinner or something and drinks and, and, you know, sit around and chat. And they're going to tell them about the Lord. And, the, and, and one of the people he invites is kind of a quirky chappy from work. He's a bit of, a, bit of an oddball guy, but he, he thinks he'd better bring him too. So he, he actually invites Mr. Oddball along. And halfway through, it's just a disaster. You know? So he goes out to the, the kitchen to help Anne with the dishes, so-called. He says, this is bombing. You know, what a, nobody will talk to anybody else. It's, what a terrible party. We've, we've goofed. And then he's aware that out in the other room, there's a silence. And he goes out. And Mr. Oddball's sitting there, and he's saying, you see, Jesus isn't at all what people think he is. He was quite different to that. And he's got the whole room spellbound as he tells them about Jesus, Mr. Oddball. And Adrian learns a lesson in humility. You see, he judged Mr. Oddball by the outside appearance, but by his fruits, Mr. Oddball had the gift of bringing the gospel to a whole lot of people who were quite different. This chapter from verse 24 on tells the story of two houses one house was built on a rock and one house was built on the sand and this is the fourth time I've told this story in this building in recent years I clearly remember the first time I did and I actually asked in this room so what's the difference what makes the difference between the house that stands and the house that falls now I think lots of you would know the answer but the first time I asked that nobody in this room did So let's have a look at that story. This is picking up from verse verse 24. Hang on. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the torrents raged, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because its foundation was on the rock but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the torrents raged, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was its collapse. So what makes the difference? What is the difference between the life that stands and the life that falls? It's a pretty good answer, but jocelyn has got a better one. Oh, sorry, I'll just say something here. The reason we use the mic is because this is being broadcast, you know, on on whatever they call it, and also recorded. So if I parrot what you say, that's just a way of putting it on the recording. And if somebody asks you to use a microphone, that's why. Jocelyn, what were you going to say? Right, Jocelyn's talked about having Jesus in our life, the Holy Spirit coming in and developing a relationship on on a daily basis. Have a careful look at that. Did you pick up something that neither of those speakers said? It's actions, isn't it? You see... Jesus says, some people hear my words and they do them. Some people hear my words and they don't do them. And we might say, well, what about the people who never heard Jesus' words? Okay, fair question, but that's not us, is it? So we'll leave that one parked over there somewhere. The thing about you is, you've heard Jesus' words, and I have too. So what are we going to do? Are we going to do it? You see, people call Jesus Lord, Lord, but that's like somebody at work saying, yes, boss, and then the boss disappears and they do whatever they were going to do. Isn't it? It's not just saying it. You see, we all know what Jesus said. Or do we? Do you know what Jesus said? Do you know what God requires of us? Well, it's a good start. But all over New Zealand, there are people who know that the law requires you to wear a seatbelt and that seatbelts can save lives. And every year people die because they're not wearing the seatbelt. They know, but they don't do it. The seatbelt can't save you and the knowledge can't save you. It's wearing it that can save you. One day years ago, I was reading through the Bible, and I came across this scripture, John 13, 17, but I was reading a Bible I don't usually read. It's called the Living Bible. It's a paraphrase. And it said this, you know these things, now do them, for this is the path of blessing. And I said, wow, that's pretty good. So I went to school. I was at Waikakawa School, and I wrote across the board in big letters, you know these things, now do them, you see. And when the kids came to school, I said, I've got a memory verse for you. Look at this. And we all chanted it out, and it became the mantra of our school. So a kid starts to do something which wasn't quite right, and I'd say, hey, what's going on here? You know these things. And the chorus in the class was, now do them. It was fun. You would have liked it. You know these things. Now do them, said everyone. They thought they were really clever. I don't know if they did what they were told. I believe, and this is from experience, that there are two ways that God blesses us. As I say before, as I've often said, I hope you can tell the difference between what the Bible's saying and what I'm saying. Weigh up what I'm saying and just swallow what the Bible's saying. But I believe God blesses us in two ways. One is that we follow his ways. We follow his advice. We follow his commands. And that brings its own reward. My grandfather, Sydney Bamfield did that he did not believe in God he did not have the daily walk with Jesus and the Holy Spirit but because of the era in which he was raised and because of his society he did what Jesus said he told the truth so people trusted him he paid his tax so he didn't need to worry about the tax man when his marriage got tough in his 40s and it was hard to hold that marriage together he did hold it together which meant that him and my nan ended up their lives as such good friends because they stuck in when times got tough. Many, many ways my grandfather's life prospered because he heard the words of Jesus and he did them even though he didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. How strange is that? When he was 97 years old, my grandfather received Christ on a personal way and his life changed. There was a lightness, there was a change which people could see. And uh, we're going, hmm. But he didn't do it sooner. It is. But however, in in eternity terms, I guess that doesn't really matter, does it? So that's number one. If we follow God's ways, if we do what Jesus said, then our house stands, our life works. But here's the other reason God blesses us or the other way. He just does. He just does. Sometimes I go, well, why did God bless me like that? It wasn't because I followed instructions or did anything particularly right. God just goes, I think I'll give you something nice. And he just does. Do we deserve it? No, we don't deserve it. Are we complaining? No, we're not complaining. We like it when God blesses us. And if you get that feeling sometimes, you go, wow, I don't deserve this. God's been so good to me. I was such a mess. And here I am, you know. That's, That's good. That's God. Let's have a look at verse 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the way that leads to life, and only a few find it. Have you ever heard the expression, the straight and narrow? This comes from a misunderstanding of this Bible text. This is not a biblical expression but it's caused by a misunderstanding. I'll explain that. You'll understand it. You see, this, that's a straight and narrow path, isn't it? And it looks pretty darn nice. In fact, if it wasn't raining this afternoon, I'd like to go there and walk down that path. It's inviting. But the Bible does not say that God's path is straight and narrow. It says something quite different. I'm going to put the King James Version up because this is where the saying comes from. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Straight is the gate. If you look closely at that word, can you see it? It's not the ordinary word, straight is a. See? S-T-R-A-I-T. That's not that kind of straight. What does that mean? What is that word? You know, all over the world, most people go, well, I don't know what that word means. Is it like dire straights? Yes. Is it like wearing a straight jacket? Yes, it is like that. But apart from that, what does it mean? But in New Zealand, we know what a straight is, don't we? We know what straight means because we have a straight that rules our lives. The ferry breaks down, half of New Zealand comes to a halt. It's too stormy for the ferries to run. And what you can see there is that New Zealand is, is two great big islands that run 1,000 kilometres from north to south, roughly. And what you've got there is two mighty oceans. You've got the Tasman Sea, one of the roughest oceans in the world, on one side. You have the mighty Pacific Ocean, Te Moana Nui Kiwa, on the other side. Which has its, and, and each ocean has separate weather systems and separate tides. And when you get to Cook Strait, it's narrow, and it's the only chance in a thousand kilometres that the two oceans have to get at each other. No wonder Cook Strait's so crazy. No wonder it's such a rough stre- s- stretch of, wo- of, of water, even by world standards. And what you've got there is conflicting currents. You've got crazy tides which kind of bump into each other halfway through. You've got a powerful body of water and trouble. And that is the strait that the Bible is talking about. That's the meaning of that word. It means literally narrow. Narrow is the gate. But I'm putting this picture in. Please be careful. This is Jeremy talking, all right? The Bible doesn't talk about Cook Strait. Now let's have a look at that. We know a lot about the Cook Strait and us older ones can still remember that incredible feeling of horror in the early days of New Zealand television as we sat in front of our television streams and watched our beautiful new roll-on, roll-off ferry, the Wahine, sink before our very eyes. We couldn't believe it. You may well have known people who were on that ferry. I certainly did. People from our church were on it. New Zealand was a small country and so many people knew who were on it. People died. People got off that ship alive and were dashed right across the harbour and smashed to pieces on the rocks. A terrible tragedy that shook New Zealand. Because I want to tell you, straight does not mean easy. And the straight the Bible talks about doesn't mean that it's a nice, easy path. Neil and Nicky decided they wanted to go boating in the Marlborough Sounds. But instead of putting the trailer in, uh, in Wellington, and just motoring their boat across, they decided to take the boat on the ferry. That was a wise decision. I suggest you don't ever try to swim the Cook Strait or kayak it unless you really put a lot of safety precautions in time. And you know, we are like that in some ways. There are two mighty kingdoms crashing into each other. There's the kingdom of God. There's the kingdom of the world. And in the middle is us, just like Cook Strait. No wonder our lives are tumultuous. No wonder we sometimes feel we're being pulled this way and that. And sadly, our lives are not without storms, and they're not without shipwrecks, and they're not without losses, and they're not without deaths. This week, in my life, this is what's happened. Some of you prayed for a man called Clive, who was so hoping that he would be able to come back and see his sister before his cancer advanced too much for him to do so. He died in Australia this week. Uh, we have a nephew called William, and his wife Phoebe had a baby called Isla this week. Isla was born, and uh, she didn't breathe for 16 minutes. They managed to resuscitate her, but she's fitting badly, and the doctors say she has severe brain damage. Meanwhile, Phoebe is so badly injured in the birth that she's in hospital struggling herself. This is not an easy week for our family. Luana was at work, and she was... Uh, She became unconscious after a heavy fall on the concrete with her head, and so Luana's fighting head injuries. Uh, We have a member in our church who came to see us on Tuesday, and she's being bullied at work, so much so, in fact, that she's been stood down on full pay while an investigation is carried on. But that's hard on life, isn't it? There's a big fire in Newtown, and some of you may have watched enough to realize that in Newtown, Wellington, the local church was very involved in the fire. Have you noticed that? And that church is my daughter's church. So Esther and James, my daughter and her husband, and, our, and their little boy, they are very involved with those people in the Newtown fire. They are the people they eat with. So that's been a hard, hard week for them. In the meantime, I've had a backdrop of three old ladies who need a lot of care. I have the phone ring. Help, we've got no food. Have you got some food? My power's about to be cut off. My, my car's got the, the light on there and it won't shift properly in the transmission. Two lawnmowers that wouldn't go and mow lawns. And then I have to face my own weakness too because I'm 69 and I realise that from now on my physical capabilities are likely to decline rather than increase, all right? Now, I don't mean to come across here as Mr. Doom because I told you some good news before that, right? But now I'm going to tell you why I told you that. New Zealand has a mental health crisis. You know that, don't you? And it's terrible, absolutely appalling amongst young people. And many, many writers believe this. They say that one of the reasons young people have terrible mental health is they're on social media so much. And when they look on social media, they see attractive people in lovely clothes, eating yummy food in glamorous places and driving nice cars. And they go, oh, that's their life. My life isn't like that. I'm just a flop. And so they do all sorts of things. They self-harm. They try to get ridiculous surgery. They, they take drugs and whatnot. We could do that here, and I'll tell you why. Because week after week, Murray, Jenny, Jeremy, Ivy, Mark, stand up and talk about the wonderful works of God with great conviction. I've seen God do wonderful things. But I want you to know that that's a little bit like my homepage on Facebook. I don't know much about Facebook, but that you have a kind of a selfie, don't you? All right. Please don't think, because we stand up and talk about the wonderful works of God, that our lives don't have storms in them. They do. I just told you about mine this week, didn't I? And that doesn't mean anything's wrong. In fact, Jesus says, that's how life is. That's how life is. And many of those problems that I told you about are caused by the fact that Janet and I have lives that are connected with other people. And I wouldn't have it any other way. And this church is connected with other people too, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Now in this room, you've got some people go, oh, my week wasn't quite as bad as that. And you've got other people go, oh, mine was even worse. Jeremy's week was kind of average. But I want you to know that that doesn't mean something's gone wrong. I want you to know that when we stand up the front and give our wonderful testimonies, doesn't mean that you're a schmuck because it didn't happen to you this week. Jesus did not promise that we would not have troubles. He just promised that somebody be with us, him, when we have the troubles. Go on. Hang on. I'm going to give Anna the, the mic here. In verse 17, it says, Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Right. And if you have troubles in your life, it does not mean you're a bad tree and it does not mean bad fruit. How do we cope with that? How do you manage? When all these storms come at you, because they do, does your life stand or fall? Because I'm still here, so I must have done something right. And a lot of you have too. We heard the words of Jesus, and we did them. And as Jocelyn says, although it's not in my sermon today, we develop that day-by-day relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Let's have a look at what's next. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? Is it a great big sort out at the end of time where Jesus says, all right, you can come into my kingdom and you can't? Yes, it is. It's clear from this that that's what it is. But I want you to know this too. The Bible says in Romans, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, we don't have to wait till the end of time to meet the kingdom of God. That's now. Is that what Phil Collins was looking for? Peace? Because if he was, or it was, I hope he found it. Do you want to enter the kingdom? Then make the king your Lord. By the way, just saying Lord, Lord doesn't count. Before I finish, I want to explain something. A lot of the scriptures on there, have had red letters on them. Did you notice that? That that they were written in red? That's because they came from a Bible that had red letters for the words of Jesus. So if you saw red letters up there today, that's Jesus Christ himself giving you a message with his authority. If you heard Jeremy talking, well, that's Jeremy. He's honest, but he could be mistaken. Uh, I want you to know about the authority of Jesus. This is how this chapter ends. When Jesus had finished saying these things, The crowds were astonished at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Today, you know where I spoke with authority because I'm quoting from Jesus. And you know that I made that picture of Cook Straight Up myself and hope it helps you. As you go through the storms of life this week, I hope you find that comforting and I hope that you find the peace that Phil Collins was looking for by making Jesus Christ your Lord in all reality and not just in word. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.